When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Is This Real Life, a podcast that relates the quirkiest aspects of pop culture and reality TV to our own lives. This is your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Hope that you had a great week. Mine has been really interesting. I feel like all the worlds are colliding. My worlds, housewives' worlds. This is one of the only times of year where we have four housewives shows on Bravo with the Real Housewives of Atlanta and New Jersey both premiering this week. It also was the midterm elections in the United States, and I live and work in Washington, D.C., which is sort of the political epicenter in the U.S., And it's also been so interesting to see my favorite reality stars also tweeting about politics and getting involved, especially the cast of Vanderpump Rules. If you would have told me years ago that I would be looking for (laughs) political information from Kristen Doty or Katie Maloney Schwartz, I would have laughed in your face. But let me tell you, these ladies are on point. Also... In my daily work, I work in public health, and I was at a conference a couple weeks ago and met a really hilarious and brilliant guy. His name is Andrew Codlin, and he will be this week's guest. So I've got my work world colliding, we've got the Housewives universe all colliding, and it is going to be a fantastic episode. Also, later this week, I am going to be releasing a bonus episode with Captain Sandy from Below Deck Med to do a deep dive into her life and what everything was like on Below Deck Med, as well as recapping Below Deck this season in Tahiti. So stay tuned for that. Also... Andrew, my guest, did not watch The Real Housewives of the OC this week, but I have a very brief recap for you to get started. So let's get into it. So this week on The Real Housewives of Orange County, it was all about going under the knife. Both Vicky and Shannon underwent plastic surgery procedures, and hey, more power to them. I cannot imagine how anxious I was just getting my appendix removed to go into surgery willingly when it wasn't necessary. So 
I am just in awe of Vicky and her ability to do this so casually, not even mentioning to the doctor that she had had prior brain surgeries. Oh my gosh. She just said, I just want a little tweaking. I don't really know when she was talking to her boyfriend, Steve. Um, Shannon gets eyelid surgery, which I honestly didn't even know was a thing. I was Googling it. I'm still not entirely sure what they did to her eyes, but it looks like she got punched in the face multiple times. On this episode, we see Tamara talking to Eddie about everything that happened in Jamaica. And I don't think I realized just how much Eddie dislikes Shannon. I think some of the reason is because he is friends with David Bedore, and actually now he's unable to be friends with David because of the show. David basically broke up with him as a friend. But in this episode, we hear how Shannon routinely calls Tamara late at night crying, and Tamara is taking her calls and sneaking downstairs so that Eddie doesn't hear them. Oy, what a mess. We also see Emily and her husband Shane go to therapy to talk about how she wants another girl. But really what I think the issue is is that she hasn't fully mourned the loss of the twins that she had which were born prematurely and both unfortunately died. It was really, really hard to watch this. I think a lot of people have gone through similar situations losing a child um, before they were born. And it was just so heartbreaking to watch Emily. It turns out that the hospital put together a little box of memorabilia from the twins, their fingerprints and footprints, and even a letter from Emily's grandmother was in the box. It sounds like Shane had actually opened the boxes before, but Emily had not opened them ever. And so we see her opening them for the first time on camera, and it was just soul-wrenching. I I feel so much for Emily. I think she's an amazing mother, and I'm really glad that she shared that with us on camera. Um, Gina goes with Kelly to visit Shannon after her eyelid surgery, and she decides to stir the pot, but nothing she's saying is actually factually incorrect. So she tells Shannon, you know what? When you were not filming with us for 24 hours and we were all together, people were talking a lot of crap about you and about your mental health, including the people who you consider to be your best friends. Now, did Gina need to say this to Shannon? No. Did she need to say it when Shannon was recovering from surgery? Definitely not. But will it secure her a spot in next season? Potentially, because I think this has legs and I think it will continue. Shannon ends up confronting Tamara. We don't actually see it on camera, but she calls Tamara before Tamara goes to lunch with Emily and Kelly and Gina and says, hey, Gina and Kelly were just over and Gina was telling me that you've been talking about my mental health. Now, instead of just owning up to it, apologizing and saying, you know what, I am. I was just concerned. I didn't know who to talk to, you know, whatever. Tamara blames Gina for talking to Shannon. I don't know why, but Tamara just can't seem to own up to the fact that she talked to everyone else about Shannon Bedore's mental health 
besides Shannon Bedore. She finally told her in Jamaica, but I think this conversation had been ongoing for quite some time, and she had spent many weeks, if not months, talking about Shannon behind her back, about how she was worried about her, but not actually doing anything to remedy the situation. So... I get that everyone thinks Gina is being messy, but you know what? She was telling the truth, and I think Shannon should know what her friends are saying about her. Now, it does seem like Shannon is in need of some more support than she is getting, and so hopefully she can take this with a grain of salt, listen, and find the resources that she needs to get out of this slump that she is in. But I won't hold my breath. Now, going to get into the Real Housewives of Atlanta, of Dallas, and a little talk of Jersey. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 42. I'm here with Andrew Codlin. Fun fact, Andrew and I met two weeks ago, was it, when we were both in the Netherlands at a tuberculosis conference because we're huge nerds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, we ended up talking about housewives and everyone around us scattered. <laughs> They're like, you guys, you guys go have your, your conversation. Literally like my entire around me has been making fun of me for watching this TV show, for having this outlet and, you know, kind of enjoying this escapism. And it was kind of like, I don't know. It was just like this moment of like, oh my God, you there, feel the exact same way. There are other people in public health <laughs> that, work, yeah, that watch these shows. But no one should ever shame you for having an outlet. Oh, you don't even know. I get it from every single person. It's just like this this like shameful secret that like, oh, I enjoy reality TV. It's not just housewives. It's like all reality TV. Yeah. It's very I don't know. It gets a bad rap, but I actually think it's some of the most interesting television and there are a lot of lessons and like parallels to our real lives, which is why yeah. I started this podcast. So Andrew lives in Vietnam. How's that going? I absolutely love it. So I moved here after spending four years in Switzerland, which was also really lovely. But as like a non-parent, maybe a little less lovely. (laughs) Uh, And so moving to Vietnam has just been like, it's so exciting. The cities are growing so fast. It's just so dynamic. It's so young. There's so much energy. People are just like, hungry for progress and for advancement and for learning. And I just, I absolutely love living here. Do you think any of the next housewives trips will be to Vietnam? Uh, Sadly, no. (laughs) (laughs) It would be really good, though. I think that would be pretty amazing. You know, Naomi Campbell did just come to Vietnam and I'm like a little stalking her a little bit on Instagram. And, you know, there are some really nice places. There are some really, really wonderful resorts and all kinds of things. But I think Vietnam is a little too cultural. Uh, It's definitely a little too hot. I mean, we all saw how Vicky's face like melted melted in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I think 
Probably not Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. So this week, we've got some interesting things on Spill the Tea. Yesterday, Meg Ryan announced that her and John Cougar Mellencamp are getting engaged, which means that Teddy has a new stepmom. Yeah. When is she going to appear on the show? I know. I want to see Meg Ryan on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. We already have Denise Richards. This is just becoming more and more A-list. Yeah. Loving it. I loved it. Like Lisa Rinna in the reunion last year, like no shame. Absolutely no shame. She was like, when is Meg Ryan coming? (laughs) I forgot about that. Yes. Another thing that happened this week. I'm not sure. Do you watch Southern Charm? I do not. Okay. I live overseas. I've lived overseas for 10 years. So I've got to (laughs) download all of the TV shows. So I have to like really try to get into it. (laughs) Yeah. Southern Charm is a good one. If you ever go through a period of downtime and you have some time on your hands starting from season one, it's... It's worth it. So one of the main people on the show is a man named Thomas Ravenel, who apparently is a big name in South Carolina. And he used to be the, I believe, the treasurer of South Carolina um, with the Republican Party. And about 10 or so years ago, he was indicted on federal cocaine charges and spent 10 months in prison. He ends up on this reality show, and I think it's the first or second season, can't remember. He's, like, running for the Senate against Lindsey Graham, which is hilarious. I think it's within the primary, right? Okay. I'm literally downloading this tonight. Guarantee (laughs) you Lindsey Graham has no idea who this guy is. And just the fact that he thinks he could, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. So in this first season, he gets involved with a girl who I believe is like 19 or 20 at the time. She's amazing, Catherine Dennis. And they make her look absolutely bonkers. She had a bit of a drug issue, but clearly, I mean, Thomas is the one that was in prison for drugs. So let's not forget that. And... <laughs> She gets pregnant and has a kid. And then at the reunion, I forgot, might have been the second season, they hook up again despite having broken up. And she gets pregnant again. And so they have two kids. And he is making her look like a terrible mother. And she ends up getting her kids taken away from her. And she can only have supervised custody and has to do these drug tests. Well, we're finding out now that he was likely pretty abusive towards her and really exerted a lot of control in her life. And he has been um, not just arrested, but is going to trial. This is what came out this week for raping their nanny. What? Yes. Nanny Don, who has been on the show uh, briefly. Uh, so the charge, I believe, is like battery in the second degree. But I believe when you go to trial, other evidence can come in and they could increase the charges and or the jail time that comes with it potentially. So she now has filed for primary custody because she got 50-50 custody back after being clean for a year. And this is just all like the Me Too stuff is coming out. And she, I believe, is standing with the nanny. But kind of up until 
it went to trial, she's kind of kept her mouth shut, um, putting out a united front for the kids, whatever is best for her family, not commenting on anything. But I, I'm pretty sure she's cooperating with the investigators. That just sounds literally crazy. It is I mean, I think, insane. Okay. I think sometimes reality TV gets a little too real. Yes. And that just sounds like, oh, those poor children, their lives are messed up by this kind of crazy. I know. The kids aren't on the show much, and they don't oh, okay. Okay. go into detail about a lot of this on the show, except for this past season was all about her being clean and being a good mom and working to get custody of her kids back. Well, I guess that's a good good thing, but oh, that just sounds crazy. <laughs> when you had me with like running against Lindsey Graham. And... That's amazing. But for the first four seasons, you think she's nuts. You literally think she's a bad person. She's delusional, all this stuff. And then you find out like now basically that he is actually quite abusive. And yeah. it all is just like coming together and everyone's kind of thinking back at what they thought about her and how they treated her and it's really fascinating is this like a like a real housewives kind of style show that just has lots of people on it's it? a or little what bit is more like a vanderpump rules but in the south oh okay i don't know i'll definitely give this a shot I have lots of free time at Vietnam to watch bad <laughs> <that> TV. <laughs> so let's get into this week's. So I don't know what to call it, but there are four Housewives shows happening simultaneously. What would you call that? I don't even know. I mean, it's just nuts. Why on earth have they like released all their content at one time? Well, it, it usually happens at like one or two points in the year where the fall shows are winding down and the winter shows are winding up. And then it usually also happens in April when some of the new shows start up again and these winter ones are coming to a close. I'm not sure. Maybe Housewives Solstice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think All the moons have aligned. <laughs> or like maybe like Armageddon. I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so crazy. Like I literally haven't watched everything that happened in this past week because there's just too much going on. But what, what have you watched? So I watched Atlanta because it's one of my favorites. And I watched Dallas because... I grew up in DFW. No I like way. I love I love Dallas. But I have not seen I have not seen OC and I will watch Jersey, but I honestly didn't know that it was <laughs> it was back on the air. So <laughs> we'll get into that at the end. So what did you think of Atlanta this season? There are only five ladies holding a peach. Yeah, I was a little surprised at this because in the kind of preview trailer for the season, they they had introduced that Marlo was on there. I thought maybe she'd finally get a peach. And then there was a new person who I didn't know who kind of seemed to be butting heads with Nini and she wasn't in the lineup. But I think they'll probably introduce some ladies in the next couple of episodes. But I don't know. I really love the Atlanta ladies. And my brother-in-law passed away uh, just over a year ago from cancer. I'm so, so watching Nini and uh, Greg go through his surgery and the family around him, that was like extremely close to home for me. And it just made me love Nini Leakes even more than I already did love her. So I just, yeah, it was a, there was a nice thing to see at the opening episode. Like sometimes I think Nini's a little, maybe a little bit of caricature of herself, 
And it was nice to kind of humanize her and make her real and nice to see some real struggle. But yet Nini still was herself. You know, she's still putting it together, being positive, being hilarious. And I like her friendship with Portia. You know, I was just about to say, I really also loved that, like, Portia was there for her to make her laugh, to distract her. You know, when I was going through all of this with my brother-in-law and my sister and everything, it was so nice to have those moments of levity where you could just cackle and joke about life and you know, how awful your situation is. And <laughs> no. yeah, I, I, I really loved their, their dynamic. Escapism. It's a way to escape, but also you see things happening on the shows that really do resonate in your life. And, and they're not really playing characters. They're themselves. And you see yeah. them routinely, you know, exhibit the kind of behavior that as women in society were told not to do. So, you know, loudly crying, yelling, being emotional, and these women live out loud, and I appreciate it. Yeah. I think I think the Atlanta women, they live out loud, and I really love, I really love it. And I, I think sometimes they can kind of border on playing a character, but it yes. was so nice to see reality in this episode. And I'm hoping that that's going to, not that I want it to be morbid or it to be kind of really morose or sad, but just to be grounded and to like maybe some of the petty stuff to be washed away and, you know, to just find out what really is important to you. And Well, it looks like there is some petty stuff ahead between Portia and Candy over Portia's new boyfriend, Dennis, that has some sort of history with Candy that we don't yet know. Yeah. What do you think of Dennis? Okay. I I mean, I'm not here to judge. I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say anything about him because we don't know him yet. But I felt that whole ring shopping I don't know what whatever you call it the ring shopping episode or whatever it just felt so weird like Portia was like beside herself and she was giddy and even when they were in Miami and she was in the hotel room or the apartment or whatever it was she was like so giddy and just like a like a like a child a little girl yeah yeah and I'm like, I don't know. This seems real fast. And we all know that she's pregnant throughout the season yes. and has a baby already. Wait, does she have a baby? I thought she was in the hospital uh, oh. for some complications. I thought that she delivered the baby the day that the episode aired. That was Kenya Moore. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. I my house <laughs> <lives> mixed up. <laughs> I live in Vietnam, so I do not have access to the news. I mean, I I don't know. I just, it felt kind of creepy. Like she was looking for a sugar daddy kind of thing. Right? And he doesn't appear to be, he's like a front and sugar daddy. Like he cannot have that much money that you would buy a ring that's a half a million dollars. Are you kidding me? You don't know. Well, what did she say? He, he owned a hot he dog? He owned some stand? nightclubs and hot dog? Like... <laughs> What on earth? You should never have a ring that costs that much unless I, you're, I, I don't know, like Kim Kardashian or something like. No, come on. Where are you wearing that ring? Like, 
let's be real. She's like, wearing it everywhere. She's wearing it to get her a car wash. She's wearing it to the grocery store. <laughs> she is wearing that ring everywhere and throwing it in people's faces. No, you're probably right. But like, that seems like a security hazard to me. I'm just thinking like, <gasps> It is. But Portia also appears to be the most unaware socially than any of the other women on that show. Completely agree with that. So she has no idea that, like, while she's flaunting this ring, that it costs more than most people's houses and entire, like, life savings and worldly possessions. Yeah. Um, wanted to hear what you thought about another new and budding relationship with Cynthia Bailey. She's I love seen it. this guy, Mike, the sportscaster. I thought it was so hilarious when she and him were kind of getting into it on the couch and trying to be a little cute, a little sexy. And then her daughter was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I, know. I am here. <laughs> oh, man. It's interesting. A long distance relationship with a guy in L.A. I wonder if she would move out there. I doubt that other than filming that she's really even in LA. She's in New York, or sorry, in uh, in Atlanta. She's she's moving and shaking and they're always doing their thing. So I think that if it gets serious enough, yeah, why not? Exactly. She could be in Atlanta for filming and be in LA the rest of the time. Yeah. Which would make her kind of fake for a Atlanta housewife, but you know, I'll take it. Hey, it's also been done before. Didn't Nene move to LA? Yep. Yeah, I want to see Cynthia happy. I really like Cynthia. And I also really liked Peter. But I, I feel like, I don't know, she just seems a little unlucky in love. And I want her to Wait, be happy. you liked Peter? At the beginning. When he, like, stole all her money. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and was, like, so mean to her sister and that's, her mom. Oh, yeah, he was really mean to Mal. I totally forgot that. I take that back. I didn't really like <laughs> I was like, this guy, talk about not being able to handle a woman's success. No, you're totally right. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I mean, you can have your opinions. It's just not the hill I would die on. <laughs> so yeah. did you, you also saw Dallas this week. Yes. So this was crazy. What an episode. It was packed with drama. They get to Copenhagen and the fighting is immediate that first dinner is crazy in the like michelin in the, star restaurant forget the dinner they, they didn't even make it from the they were in the car on the way home from the airport and they were sort of getting into it it was intense it was really intense and for people who talk about society and you know how you are how you appear is screaming at a Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> I never want to hear Cameron talk about society again. Yeah. I mean, I think that basically anybody who agrees to be on a real housewife show is not really a member of the high society of any community, whatever city they're from. Exactly. Like, this is, they may be wealthy. They may be very into philanthropy. They may be all these things, but I don't know. The real granddoms of Dallas are not on the real housewives of Dallas. <laughs> it is so insane to me. So you grew up in Dallas. Yeah. It, what is all this society talk? Is this really a thing? Yeah, very much so. Explain it. People in Texas, not just Dallas, 
they are so into charity. Like they really, in the past seasons, have really pay, played up the kind of charity world and their charity work and being seen at charities and co- contributing to charities. This is really a thing in Dallas. I think that the state is in this very odd way, very Republican and very anti, you know, welfare and, and arts funding and all these kinds of things, but privately is so giving. So it really is very much a thing in, in Dallas. It's interesting to me that they've made charity a social, I don't even know what the word is, like they've made this the charity circuit. So you buy your fancy dresses and you wear them to these various balls and charity events. And it's a way to be seen, but they're also raising a lot of money for important causes. I don't, I don't know whether any of the events that these women are going to is actually raising money for important causes <laughs> on the show. But I do know that like, this is a thing in Dallas and that, you know, private giving and donations and philanthropy is like a huge part of making it in Dallas. But do people talk about, oh, I don't know, she put a K-cup up her butt. Like, why? <laughs> why? I don't know. That's so odd to me. People are talking. What What are they saying? What is there to talk about? I honestly don't know. Full disclosure, I am not part of that scene in Dallas. <laughs> I don't know the Westcots. I don't know the Smiths. I don't know any of these people. But these, there, there is like this perception that there's this group of kind of untouchable, charitable people in Dallas. So I do believe it. That's just so interesting to hear. Now, I was so shocked by Cameron's behavior because she's usually not one that likes to get into it. She does push buttons. I don't think she means to. And she pushed all of Deandra's buttons this episode. It was crazy watching her. And I actually think she hit the nail on the head when Deandra started raising her voice and, you know, telling Cameron to stay out of it. And, you know, Cameron said, is this how your mother yells at you? (sighs) Wow. I was shook. Yeah. Because it is how her mother yells at her. She, I think, endured so much yelling growing up. She had an alcoholic father. Her mother is so overbearing and has no problem being mean. Mm -hmm. I think she is a grown, like, woman child. Deandra does not appear to be a full functioning adult. Oh, totally. She behaves like a teenager. We saw this last season as well when she was trying to interact with her husband's son or her stepson, I guess. And she just like, she doesn't know how to communicate. It's like zero to 100. And it, it doesn't mean she's a bad person. She can be a great person. Yeah, of but course. she does not know how to communicate. And then she blames Leanne for those very, like the same thing. And yes, Leanne also previously did not appear to know how to communicate but i think she's done a pretty good job this season whether it's real or fake i don't know but she's definitely keeping her cool until this episode and trying to explain herself 
which is more than Deandra has been doing. Yeah, I totally agree. I I think that Deandra is coming off very poorly in this fight. And I, again, I don't know whether it's real or not, but Leanne seems to really have like internalized how crazy she appeared in the past seasons and maybe how that affected people's perception of her and quote Dallas society. And, and, you know, she's, she's coming off as like the rational one in this fight. I don't know whether Leanne is so innocent and whether she's, uh, you know, I think that maybe they're both guilty. Definitely. Leanne is, I kind of went into the season wanting to hate her because she's been so crazy and I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know. She's keeping it together. And she is. Certainly Brandy and definitely Deandra are not keeping it together. Brandy's never really kept it together and she's never pretended to. And I love her for just being who she is. But Deandra just appears to not have a set of communication skills that yeah. it's it's she could have all of the right things to say. She could be so warranted in her frustrations and she's just not explaining it. So instead, yeah. it's coming out as yelling. And I'm like, why are you so angry? Just tell us. Tell us what Leanne has done. Explain it. Explain how you're so frustrated. I thought that Cameron completely overreacted when Deandra was like, you know what? You hurt my feelings. Even yeah. if you don't mean to hurt someone's feelings, you still can. So for her to freak out when Deandra's like, you know what? You and your mother-in-law really hurt my feelings. I felt attacked. And Cameron turns around and is like, you're attacking me and my family. <laughs> like, calm down. I can sort of see where Cameron comes from in her response. It's like, just throughout the season, you can sort of see her husband maybe cutting her down a little bit, trying to diminish her ambitions. And I think that when we saw her mother-in-law, you know, it was... I don't think that it maybe was the best intentions. I think there was a little bit of kind of insinuation about Deandra and Brandy and, and, oh, you better behave a certain kind of way. And I kind of get the sense that maybe Cameron feels a bit trapped and that, you know, she doesn't really have outside of what seems like a very wonderful family life if you are happy with just that. I think that she seems a little like... Yeah, trapped. And, and when Deandra comes and says, oh, you attacked me, it's like, I don't know. She like, has what do to... you mean? I'm the one being attacked. <laughs> yeah, like she has to protect and preserve it. and It's the only thing she has is that family. Yeah. I was so shocked by something she said. I don't know which episode, but when she explained I, to Deandra, you know, Jimmy, my mother-in-law, she tells me, you know, who to be friends with, basically. So she's like, you may think you have a great friend. And then Jimmy tells you, actually, that friend's not good for you. And then you just have to give them up. It reminded me of that scene from Mean Girls <laughs> where um, Gretchen Wieners is like, maybe you think you like someone, but you don't. You don't actually like them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. I, again, oh, I I'm not part so of, bad for her. I'm not part of this society group in Dallas. I, I haven't lived there in a long time. But I know people who have like been forced to do that. 
to give up friendships for their mother-in-law? Well, not mother, not mother-in-law, but oh, your friend is too liberal or is too out there, or I don't want you associated with that. It's not Christian enough. It's not wholesome enough. It's not, you know. I think that there's a lot of pressure. Please, child. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot take it. Let Cam be Cam. She's she's cute. She's funny. You're right. She's been cut down a lot, and she questions her own sense of what's right and wrong and okay and not okay because she's willing to be friends with, I think, anyone. Well, I don't know about that. I don't think she wants to be friends with Brandy, but I think that she's very nervous about coming home and like dealing with the consequences of of this behavior and of being associated with this behavior. I think that she's so wrapped up in this kind of idyllic society woman that, you know, it's, it's hard to be around. I do think she wants to be friends with Brandy though. Cause look at how she reacted when Brandy didn't tell her that she adopted baby Bruin. And she was so hurt because she wasn't told. And I don't think it came from a selfish place. I think she felt left out. Mm. How could Carrie and Stephanie know? And I not know. Yeah. She believes these are real friendships. I don't think she looks at these women as coworkers. And I think some of the other women, like Deandra, view these other people as coworkers. I don't know. I get the sense from Deandra that, like, oh, I, I don't, this is really kind of mean to say, but that maybe she's just like a little lost in her life or that she's really kind of pivoting and trying to change her life and that she seems to be gravitating towards. Stephanie and Brandy and Carrie and saying goodbye to everyone else. And I, I kind of sense that she is genuine about it. Oh yeah. That's not mean to say. I thought you were going to say something really mean. (laughs) She just, I don't know. Like I kind of imagine, or I hope that as I age and am in her position in life, that I would be a little more secure in myself to be like, yeah, you're not good for me. I don't want to be your friend. And she seems so unsure and so unable to say that Openly, at least. Um, But is there anything else from Dallas that stood out to you? Yeah, I I really like Brandy. And I really like the fact that Brandy is a little bit of a foil to this whole society and charity narrative. And I'm not saying that Brandy isn't charitable and isn't philanthropic. I'm sure she is. And I'm sure that she's giving and caring and whatnot. But, you know... She's open about the fact that she doesn't give a dog's rip about being <laughs> part of this this scene and society. And I think that she's a great foil. And I just didn't really like that she was so immature about confronting Leanne. And yeah, like... The drinking. She's like, if she thinks I'm an alcoholic, then I'll just act like an alcoholic. That is such a <laughs> yeah. terrible idea. Yeah, and- Damn, she could put them down. She can put it down. Yeah, I don't know. But I do I do think that like when um, Deandra and Cameron and Leanne were kind of going into it at dinner, they had these cutaway shots of Brandy pulling faces and like <laughs> looking absolutely wasted. But just, just being judgmental. I thought that was I thought that was very good and very funny. <laughs> and she held it together more than, you know, a lot of the other women at that table. And so it's funny just that they all say that she's, you know, not classy or sophisticated. Well, besides building the Tower of Drinks, <laughs> the Pyramid of Drinks, she she wasn't screaming. This is very true. 
One of my favorite things is when they show cutaways of the other guests at the restaurant staring. <laughs> yeah. It is always <laughs> so funny because you have to wonder what are they thinking? And in another country in particular, you know, a Nordic country where everyone is you know, keeps their voice to a normal tone. <laughs> These yeah. women come in and are just like, ah! <laughs> I'm sure it's a spectacle even when they're tame because, you know, this is this is a fine dining and all of a sudden there's definitely cameras. There's definitely people who are not diners walking around and maybe lights. Who, who knows what else is there? Microphones. And then for it to get rowdy and you know noisy and i yeah i also loved it when they cut away and and you could see the the old man in the corner like oh, what is happening <laughs> i also love stephanie being like uh i don't know any of this food and all this fancy food is just like really expensive and i'm fine with taco bell like <laughs> i am absolutely loving stephanie in this season i feel like in past seasons she's come across in a way where like she was controlled by Brandy or she was controlled by her husband and controlled not in a good way. And I really feel like she's showing her vulnerability. She's owning her experience growing up and her, her, like, I just, she is the voice of reason in the monologues or in the, the confessional interviews. I just, I'm loving her this season. She is amazing. And I think she is the, potentially one of the most emotionally mature people I've ever seen on Housewives. And I don't think she gets enough credit for it, but I heard an interview with her. I think it was with Kate Casey. And she said that before the show started airing the first season, her and her husband started going to marriage counseling to have the skills to be able to deal with what they were going to see on TV. And she said her husband's very good at dealing with stress, but she's not. And she kind of freaks out and might take it out on him and wants to be able to have the tools to be able to talk about what they're watching and how it might affect their relationship and their family. I thought that was so smart because her and her husband seem so solid and comfortable and where they're at in their marriage and their life. And I think it's because they're not acting like they're perfect. Yeah. And I think that in past seasons, like, it was nice to see them disagree and work through things. And I think that I'm projecting probably, but those kind of communication skills, you see them being paid forward. You know, she's pulling Carrie aside and saying, hey, you're a gossip. You need to stop stirring the shit up. She's pulling people aside. And, you know, she just, I think that she's so endearing. So sweet. And also yeah. so funny. She's yeah, so funny. Totally. And she always puts herself down like, I don't know where Copenhagen is. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't speak any other languages. I'm so stupid. But it's like, you're not. You're you're emotionally smart. Yeah. And that counts for something. Yeah, I would want her as a best friend. <laughs> Me too. I adore her. So it sounds like you didn't get a chance to see Jersey this week. Have you watched Jersey in the past? Yes. So I haven't. I'm not very familiar. I know about like the general, you know, there's a sister and brother, Teresa Uh and her brother, Joe, and Joe is married to Melissa and there's Uh issues between Melissa and Teresa. Like I know that without even watching, (laughs) but, and I also know that they are all like in Jersey, they all voted for Trump and are now somehow incredibly shocked and surprised that Joe is getting deported. (laughs) 
<laughs> Which I'm like, are you kidding me? How could you be shocked by that? The man was not a U.S. citizen. He could have been a U.S. citizen. Every other member of his family became a U.S. citizen. But he didn't do the paperwork. And then he committed multiple felonies and crimes of moral turpitude, which is what the the law states. And if you do that and you are not a citizen, you can be kicked out of this country. I don't know. I, I think that maybe I have a little bit of a soft spot for their family situation because Uh, I also am an immigrant. I grew up in Dallas, but I'm not American. I have a green card. I'm actually British. What? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But when you have grown up your entire life in a place and you have made a family there and your family is American and they're not being deported, I just, I have a lot of like empathy for that and show, yes, he served his time that, and he made crimes, it, it, but show some compassion. That's the problem is that he thinks that for him and his situation and Teresa and their situation, it's different than other people who are in that exact same situation who have not committed crimes. Well, that's a different story. I agree with you. <laughs> it's crazy to me and it really it irked me. Um, but my major issue with Jersey is I don't find it to be aspirational living. I see their houses, and I'm like, I would never want to live in that house. Totally agree. Like, are they made of cardboard? I don't know. I see those houses, especially especially um, uh, Joe and Melissa's, and I guess I guess Teresa Teresa's house also. But I'm like, ooh, it's they're so gaudy. gaudy. They're big. They but they don't look like they're well built, and then yeah. they all appear to be doing renovations all the time. Like, all the time. Not like a renovation, like a Kyle Richards renovation, you know, that's classy and beautiful and a foyer of, you know, marble. No, this is like, why are you constantly doing this? And so I watched it for the first time, and it was just so shocking to me. Like, the B-roll that they show in between the scenes of just Jersey – they were showing like the interstate. Yeah. I swear to God. I was like, that's, that's I-95. Why are they showing that? (laughs) Like no one, no one, that's not aspirational living. And there's so many odd things about it. Like this is how you should act as an Italian. I'm like, is it? Cause it's like, you're Italian American and you're a very particular type of Italian American. And you're saying it's just like Dallas society. Like, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how everyone is. And I'm like, I know people from Jersey. Nobody's like that. Yeah, but I do wonder. Like, I I think that that is a thing. I think it's a distinct regional identity. And, you know, people mm-hmm. are probably looking at Dallas being like, oh, this is so fake. Why are they talking about this all the time? Wow, this can't be real. But it is. And maybe for certain people in parts of Jersey, this is this is. You're right. You're right. It's just too alien to me. And so they show the previews for what's coming this season. And it sounds like there's a ton of fighting between Teresa and Melissa. And they're shouting at Melissa to control her husband. I I think that, you know, how we talked a little earlier about how sometimes reality can get a little too real. (laughs) Yes, the family dynamics. Yeah, like these family dynamics are really ugly in Jersey. And, you know, before it was, what were they? The the Loritas, I think their names were. Caroline and Dina and Jacqueline. And, you know, 
they're also falling out with each other and not speaking to each other. And I just think that, you know, when when it cuts so deep that it affects your daily life and it destroys families, I I sort of get turned off and lose interest in it. And I, I felt this way about about Jersey and I only watch it every now and then because it's just too ugly. Mm-hmm. You know, the drama and the fights, they're not fun because you know that people's lives are really affected by this. And not just the people on the show, their husbands, their wives, their, their children, kids. their parents. Yeah. Oh, I just, it's too much. And to see Teresa's dad, he seems so sweet yeah. and he's wandering the house and he seems so lost without his wife. And for them to drag him into this yeah. drama and this show, oh, breaks my heart. Yeah. I just, I don't know why they all have to scream all the time. That's another <laughs> thing. Like, they seem like they yell more than any of the franchises. Their base level of talking is a yell. And I just, I can't, it's hard for me to get into. That's why I think I like Margaret Joseph's the best. I I actually haven't watched <laughs> a, a lot of the past season. I don't know. I don't know who the the new two women are. There are two or three women that she's I, great. Yeah, she is hilarious. She's got so her name is Margaret, and her mom is like Big Marge or something. And her and her mom kind of look alike. And okay. I mean, I don't know how old this woman is, but her mom must be upper 70s at the youngest and I think she was getting like vaginal rejuvenation in this episode oh my god <laughs> and like they, they all like bring their moms to these parties and are drinking and laughing and joking about sex and I'm like okay I can get on board this is funny <laughs> like this is this woman is funny and um, she wears like pigtails a lot as her signature thing oh I know who this is she's kind of blondie yeah, she's I very blonde, and yeah, she's married to a, a contractor, and they're constantly renovating their home. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, I think the most important thing on these shows is to have some sort of balance. You know, like in Dallas, Brandy is that foil. She's not part of this aspirational society scene. In Atlanta, I don't know, maybe Porsche's sort of a foil. I, I don't know. But in Jersey, it just feels a little inbred. And like they're all sort of doing the same thing, and I don't know. I just I also struggle to relate and get into. I just the yeah, show. it's the thing I don't relate to. So I started watching Housewives, um, only the ones in California, so the OC and Beverly Hills, uh-huh. because that's aspirational living to me. Oh, Beverly Hills for sure. I would watch almost any show where they get up and it's always sunny. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I, I'm like. <gasps> Blue skies, palm tree. Oh, they have a pool. (laughs) It's just, I don't care almost what they're doing. It's nice to watch. But, you know, I eventually got into New York, even though. They always film in winter. Everyone said this is the best one. You think New York is the best one? I think New York has consistently been the best, yes. I think the women and the ensemble make more sense. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've had any like sort of dud seasons. Uh, they've had very few sort of dud housewives. They've had a couple people that they've had to sort of pull. And it's just every year they hit the mark and they have the right balance of like career, aspirational living, humor, and drama. 
humor. Yeah, I'm totally with you on this. You know, I got into watching The Housewives. I um, I had a, my, my wisdom teeth were removed over Thanksgiving break when I was in college. And I was sitting on the couch, probably on some sort of pain medication, and didn't really know what to do with my time. And there was a Real Housewives of Atlanta season one marathon on Bravo. And I watched the entire season one from start to finish in a single day. (laughs) And I was hooked. (laughs) And I feel like they were so funny and there was drama and there was fighting, but they were so funny. And I think maybe what, I don't really think the Jersey housewives are so funny. No, because in order to be funny, you have to be clever. Yeah. And I don't think they are. Yeah. That's really like mean. They just fight. But I just don't. I just, I think Margaret Josephs is. That's why I like her. I think she's genuinely funny. And I want to see more funny people on these shows. Yeah, like Bethany in the confessionals, they, there's always a quip. Lisa Vanderpump, there's always a quip. Nini, there's always a quip or a, uh, you know, a little catchphrase or a joke or a punchline. And, you know, there, there's got to be someone who can kind of be the voice of reason and... Those Jersey ladies need a voice of a reason. Totally agree. So are you excited for December 3rd when Vanderpump Rules comes back? Okay. So I know that you are very into Vanderpump Rules. And I think I've only watched maybe two seasons of it. Oh, my God. How could you? Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> Stop everything. Forget Southern Charm. (laughs) This is what you do. You binge Vanderpump Rules. I once made a 24-point slide deck of all five seasons, including uh, diagrams of how all of the characters are interrelated, just to convince someone to start watching season six. I don't need to be pushed that hard. I will watch it. It was a labor of love. I mean, I I check in and I check out. I know who all the characters are. I sort of know roughly what the drama is. I watch Sheena's wedding or whatever her name is. And I, I know it and I'm very aware of it, but I don't watch it as consistently as I probably should be. I just love it because I don't think they produce it all. Oh, like they, it does not they seem don't. Like they it. just are who they are. They hang out whether there's cameras or not. Yeah. And it is. So funny to me. I think they're hilarious. Yeah, I I buy this. I, I I think that like there's a problem with reality TV stars trying to control how they get portrayed. And I will admit that it's nice because the Vanderpump Rules cast actually seems like they live in the same town. They live in the same neighborhood. They like hang out. They like they're part of each other's lives on camera and off camera. And it seems genuine. Yes. For sure. No, I I will definitely make more of an effort since I know that you're (laughs) so into it. I'll I'll, I'll download the back seasons and and get caught up. I preach the gospel of Vanderpump Rules wherever I go. But the best is when I'm walking my dog and people stop her all the time. She's you really cute. You told me her name is Stassi. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, in D.C., a lot of people are like, uh, is that after the East German secret police? Oh. <laughs> you know, because everyone's like a total history nerd. I'm like, no, it's Nastasia Bianca. <laughs> and so when people are like, is that after Vanderpump Rules? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Thank you. I've watched it enough to know that 
that was the reference. I know it's evening where you are and I need to get my day started. But thank you so much for being on and for sharing all of your housewives wisdom with us. Wisdom, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But this is so exciting. It's so amazing to connect with another professional in my field who has the same kind of passion for yeah, reality TV. I love it. Thanks for being on. So that concludes this week's episode of Is This Real Life? Thank you so much for joining. Please be sure to subscribe on either iTunes or SoundCloud and follow on social media at ITRL underscore podcast. See you next week. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.